0: When you sit down on your couch to watch the Stanley Cup Final, you're probably not thinking about anything but the players on the ice or the score of the game. This season, the Washington Capitals and Las Vegas Knights have made storybook runs to the NHL Championship, and we've followed every move of star players like Alex Ovechkin and Marc-Andre Fleury on and off the ice. But there are hundreds of people behind the scenes, from TV crews to team support staff that have to work furiously to make sure everything goes off without a hitch. In our new three-part audio series, For the Win takes you inside the Stanley Cup Final. In this episode, we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit on how a Stanley Cup Final comes together from three different perspectives. We'll take a peek at how TV broadcasts come together, hear from an NHL athletic trainer, and see how the NHL itself deals with the unique challenge of such a large-scale event. First, let's look into the TV side. You may be watching the game at a bar or from your home, but you're mostly watching it on TV, and it takes a small army to pull out these live TV productions. The NHL network will produce about 70 hours of live pregame and postgame programming over the course of the cup final. Lisa Litvak is the manager of remote operations for the network and keeps all the moving pieces together when they take the show on the road. This year, they'll be going cross country from Vegas to D.C. and it's not an easy task. For the Stanley Cup final, the process is to start weeks before the teams have even been finalized. We're prepping
1: way before it gets down to two. So once we go to all four cities, we decide what we're gonna do in each city. And then we have to act as if we're going to all four until somebody loses.
0: This year, her team prepped for a possible final in Tampa Bay, Winnipeg, DC, and Vegas. This also involves a ton of manpower.
1: So we send about 40 traveling staff and those people are hired like six months in advance. So we have our core guys all booked and ready to go. Then in each city, we'll have about 25 local people helping us out. We we have eight cameras for this show and then the behind the scenes cabling it's thousands and thousands and thousands of feet. And each location comes with its own challenges here in, Vegas, we're, we're dealing with the heat. It's going to get to about 95 today in the dry heat. And um, in DC, the challenges were on a city street.
0: When it's time to click over and watch the actual game, that's when NBC Sports takes over. Reaching a national audience of millions, fans are probably most familiar with NBC Sports TV personalities like Mike Milberry and Doc Emmerich. But of course, it takes a village, and their numbers are pretty staggering. In their crew, NBC needs about 160 people total to get a game on air. That's 100 for game coverage and 60 for their pre-game, intermission, and post-game coverage. They use 52 cameras, 85 microphones, and lay down the equivalent of 3 miles of audio and video cable in each location. Plus, they take up about 150 hotel rooms in each city. And all that equipment has to travel 2,414 miles between T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, and Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. If the series goes to seven games, that'll be three cross-country trips that they make. Matt Marvin is a coordinating producer for NBC Sports, and on game days, his crew can work up to 15 hours a day. Matt makes sure that the NBC cameras don't miss all the cool things on the ice or the stuff happening off the ice, like the flyover during Game 2 or the performance by Imagine Dragons. Lately, the long hours aren't the most challenging part of his job. It's actually that the hockey has been so exciting.
2: It's challenging and exciting at the same time is just the nature of the sport, where especially with these, the first two games of these teams have been so exciting, and and a lot of times there, there's not a lot of whistles. So a lot of great stuff happens, and it becomes that you know, that decision when the whistle happens—something awesome things just happen. What, what three or four can I show? I'm um, keeping up with that is probably the most challenging, but at the same time, it's, it's the most exciting. It's what makes you know being in the truck for a hockey game is uh, yeah. is just like an adrenaline rush, especially at the level these two teams are playing at, and, and all the crazy stuff that's happened in these first two games.
0: So the other side of this is from the perspective of NHL teams. Each NHL team has a 23-man roster that travels for much of the season, and it's up to the equipment managers to keep track of all that gear and make sure everything arrives in the right place at the right time. Pete Rogers is the head equipment manager for the Nashville Predators and has been with the team since they started in 1998. He's worked about 1,600 games with the Predators and has close to 2,300 major and minor league hockey games under his belt. That is a lot of hockey, and Pete knows what he's doing.
2: You know, basically our job is to make sure that the players don't have any equipment-related issues. You
0: so know, it's,
2: it's kind of it's kind of like mass-organized chaos.
0: Last year, the Predators went to the Stanley Cup final, so Pete has a great idea of what the Golden Knights and the Capitals are going through.
2: The players are amped up. The coach, Everybody's amped up a little bit more than normal because, you know, it's a— most of the guys, you know, for for our team and our franchise, the finals was a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know, there's some teams that never, never get to experience that. or some players that never get to experience it.
0: With his staff of four, they put in about 16-hour days and start around 7 a.m. on game days. And they do everything from sharpened skates to getting jerseys ready to prepping the locker room for the athletes. During a typical game, Pete's staff is just always trying to stay one step ahead of the player and anticipate what their needs might be. The one thing this means is they have to be really attentive on the bench during games, or it can go wrong.
2: Sometimes you'll see during a game, the stick breaks. You have to give them a stick, sometimes on the fly, sometimes uh, between the shift chains. And it's important to be ready and alert on the bench, knowing if that happens, Um, you know, if a guy doesn't have a stick and he comes to the bench on the fly, you've got to make sure you have that stick ready for him. I mean, it could result in an odd man rush going the wrong way. And, you know, and the margin of error is so thin during the playoffs, and particularly the Stanley Cup Finals, that you've got to be prepared for any potential situation.
0: But even with all that attention to detail, things can sometimes slip through the cracks.
2: Last year in the playoffs in the first round, um, the wrong sticks were packed. For James Neal, you know, and because we were playing in Chicago, and there's like 15 flights a day on Southwest, we were able to get those sticks. we had to have somebody go to the arena, get those sticks, and you know, we got them at like four o'clock. So there really was no, you know, the player was never without what what they needed. And sometimes the players they change their sticks and their patterns so much that you know it's not hard to believe that things like that would happen.
0: The final piece of the puzzle, of course, is the league itself which manages the overall staging of the Stanley Cup final. Dean Matsaki is the NHL executive vice president of events. And one of his most, let's say, unique challenges for the series came from an unlikely source, the singer Pink.
3: Uh, We did have a little bit of a challenge on our load-in due to, uh, you know, arena availability. There was a very large concert uh, in the the building on the Saturday evening uh, before our Game 1, which was Monday. So we had a pretty good overnight turnaround. uh, But, you know, all of these arenas now are such multi-purpose venues uh, that the staff, you know, they're, they're pretty good at turning them all around.
0: Usually the NHL spreads out their work over four days, so people can do things like eat and sleep... But this time, they had a compressed timeline and had to get it all done in 24 hours. While they're dealing with scheduling issues and heat in Vegas, in D.C., they had to shut down several city blocks to get everything done.
3: Well, each each arena uh, has its own challenges and, and very unique. Obviously, with the Capital One Center, it is, uh, you know, kind of right in a, a city block right downtown. So there isn't uh, a lot of places to expand into, such as parking lots, uh, uh, and things like that, and, and the television and broadcast area is quite limited, so we, with the, the final we do have a number of broadcasters. We have had to do some street closures around the venue. Um, we're trying to impact fans as little as possible, but we do need to uh, obviously get the games on the air. Uh, so we're trying to get as creative as possible, but this is all, uh, of course, uh, you know, such last minute uh, planning, and we, we do what we can.
0: The Stanley Cup Final isn't just a lifetime experience for the teams, but for everyone behind the scenes as well. The energy is different, the excitement is different, and yep, it's all about teamwork. We hope you enjoy this episode of For the Wins Inside Look at the Stanley Cup Final. Keep an eye out for the second part of the series where we dig into the physical toll that a long playoff run takes. Thanks for listening, guys.